Hello, my name is Blaze Bailey. Hey, this is Chuck Billy from Testament right here on Mars Attack. Hey, what's up? This is Joey Z from Life of Agony. Hey, this is Tim Ripper Owens. This is Bobby Bliss from Overkill. You stay tuned. Hey, this is Dale Lorenzo from Hades, nonfiction, The Cursed, and my horrible solo music. You listen to my boy Victor on Mars Attacks. Hey, this is Ron Bumble for Fall of Guns N' Roses, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. How you doing? This is Frankie Benali from Quiet Riot. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, this is Dave Windorf of Monster Magnet, and you are listening to Mars Attacks. Hello, everybody. This is Michael Kiska talking, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Hey, this is Richard Patrick from Stilter, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Hey everybody, what's happening? This is John Bush, and you're cranking it up on Mars Attack. Hey, this is Russell Long from Symphony X, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Hi there, this is Peter Ellis, and you're listening to Mars Attack. One and all to episode number 30 of the Mars Attacks podcast. I'm your host, Victor. And during this episode, we will bring you two special interviews. One with Russell Allen from Symphony X and so many other great projects. Uh, we'll touch upon all the different things that he's been involved with. And uh, unfortunately, there was one thing that he couldn't let out during the interview which a few days later was announced uh, to be the project that he's putting together with Mike Portnoy. But uh, he pretty much mentions everything else besides that. Uh, But during the first half of the episode, we have an interview with former White Wizard and the More That I See lead singer Peter Ellis. Uh, We'll get down to what transpired uh, with White Wizard, why he left, the exact reasons why he left it all. He lays it all out, and uh, he has a rather interesting um, outlook on everything. Um, I've talked to a bunch of different people from White Wizard, and uh, there are a bunch of different things that transpired between them and John Leon. And, um, you know, to an extent, all that stuff uh, is between John Leon and those members. Um, I honestly think that it's up to you guys to, you know, draw your own conclusions or your own opinions. Uh, I'm not going to, you know, go out and pontificate about what didn't, what didn't happen. Truth of the matter is, 
Uh, I am good friends with James J. LaRue and Eric Klubert. I've been exchanging emails with them for, uh, in, in the instance of Eric, uh, since practically right when Over the Top was recorded. Uh, it was just finished being recorded. He was out of the studio and we did an interview. And I've been in touch with him since then. Uh, he specified, you know, everything that transpired uh, via different interviews and whatnot. And he's actually playing with Gypsy Hawk right now and another group called Scarlet Hamlet. Uh, James J. LaRue is working on a new project. He's going to have a new website up shortly. Should be very interesting to see what he's working on. Uh, he is definitely, from everything that he's described to me, uh, he's trying to put something together that goes beyond metal and maybe uh, touching on other influences that he has outside of the metal world. Uh, in any event, I guess Peter coming from the more that I see maybe had a different outlook because of the way that the more that I see was structured. Uh, I don't want to give too much away because I want you guys to listen to what Peter has to say. Um, with that said, uh, let's get into a track that Peter recorded with the more I see, I keep saying the more that I see, excuse me, the more I see, and, um, from there we'll get into the interview and we'll come out of the interview with White Wizard's Shooting Star. So here we go. Veiled by Greed by the more I see.
most people do know you from White Wizard, but before yeah. that, you came from a band called The More I See. The uh, More I See. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about The More I See and how you came to join that band. Well, basically, um, when, I, when I first moved to England like six years ago, I was um, I was playing some cover bands and doing like classic uh, classic metal covers and all that stuff. And basically, I was um, you know I was like involved in the London scene, you know, and started playing with originals like bands that were playing originals and stuff. And um, basically, as, I don't know if you know that, but the more I see is the band of um, Giz Bud who used to play with a Prodigy. Okay. And, and um, basically, through a common friend, I met Giz. Mhm. And uh, that, that was the day after he fired his previous singer. Huh, okay. <laughs> and um, basically he was like, you know, I'm looking for a singer, you know, can you sing? I was like, well, I think so. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, I just uh, got in touch with him the next day on MySpace, and I was like, you know, this is my email and blah, 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 and I sent him some stuff and he really liked it. So, um, yeah, I traveled to Peterborough, because uh, the band is based from you know in, in Peterborough, uh, which is like two hours from London. Okay. And um, yeah, I just went there, audition, and you know I, I got a gig. Um, that's how I started, you know, um, my my career. And, I mean, it, it was it was great, you know, because it's like if you, if you go from you know playing covers to being in a band with a guy from a prodigy obviously it just it's a different level you know i got to work with some of the best producers in uh, not just the uk in metal like period mm -hmm. you know uh, people like andy Sneed and you know um russ russell and uh, scott atkins like legends you know um and it was all through through geese i mean i you know i owe him a lot and why did you not decide to go back uh, and approach them after leaving White Wizard? Was it that you wanted to look for something completely different? Was the door shut on that end? Or what exactly led you to want to go in a completely new direction? You see, the, the thing is that um, the more I see was a, a great sort of um, stepping stone for me, you know, okay. to start things and just go out there and and do this, you know, but right. the, the music was, I was never into the music like 100%. Um, and that doesn't mean that the music wasn't good. It just means that it wasn't what I wanted to do. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm more into British heavy metal, like, you know, Iron Maiden, Judas Priest, you know, Black Sabbath, Deep Purple. That's my thing. You know, I always wanted to do that. Uh, right. The more I see is a flash metal band, like down tuned, like you know, um, drop C and all that stuff, which is great. But for mm -hmm. someone that sings like me, it was it was really hard for me to go on stage every night and sing like someone else, if you know what I mean. Right, right, right. I got you. Um, yeah. So this is sort of why uh, we sort of had that discussion going back and forth on Facebook regarding the uh, down tuning and everything else <laughs> like that. Yeah. So, uh, with White Wizard, how are you presented that position? Did you approach them? Did they approach you? Did you find out that they were auditioning people? How mm -hmm. did that job come about? Right. Well, basically, um, 
last summer, um, I, I got the chance to uh, perform a download festival with the more I see. And okay. um, White Wizard were there because they were playing as well. And basically, during my performance, uh, John Leon was in the audience. Uh, and I actually remember him. I remember the hat. So, uh, <laughs> you know, he, he likes his hat. Bless him. Um, so uh, he was in the audience, and that's where he, he first saw me perform. And basically, I, I didn't have a clue that they were looking for singers. As far as I, I knew, it was like they just had a new singer, you know. And um, great singer, by the way. I mean, I think every, every singer in White Wizard has like, been phenomenal. Um, right. But anyway, so um, basically, I was, I was at a friend's house, you know. Uh, and I, I just went online to check my emails. And I just had an email from John, you know, it was like White Wizard. <laughs> And basically, um, the email said, you know, we're looking for a singer. Would you be interested in coming down to L.A. and auditioning for the band? And I was like, yeah, you know, hell yeah, because it's like exactly my type of thing, you know. Right. And, uh, yeah, I just, you know, uh, flew to L.A., uh, I auditioned, and um, I got the gig. And did you have to wait long to know that you would... Um gotten the spot in the band uh do you know of oh, anyone no, it, else it was literally was... like after two weeks of being there okay do you know and... of anyone else that interviewed uh or interviewed i'm sorry auditioned um, i mean i know that tim river Rowans was being considered as well okay um and i know that there were a lot of people like from all around the world um mm -hmm. that you know were under consideration um which is what made, you know, when I finally got the gig, it was like, it made it just so much, you know, sweeter. <laughs> like, I was right. the one that got the gig. Um, but, yeah, the, the, there was, a, you know, a lot of people that uh, were considered. Okay. And you got to play some big shows with them as well. You played Download yeah. with them in 2010, if I'm not mistaken, right? Uh, with the more I see, that was. You had still been able to go out and play some live shows uh, with the band. How does the reaction that you receive from the White Wizard crowd differ from the people that went to go see the more I see? It was completely different. I mean, uh, we're talking like people making making me banners, you know, <laughs> with, with my name <laughs> on it, you know, and stuff. It was just insane insane i mean the, the, they just everyone seemed to really really you know like me and the world supportive of me well at least the, the european fans in america okay. it was it was a bit different like every sort of negative comment and all that stuff you know that i got was mainly from america which is right. you know i understand that you know because it's like when the previous singers are all American and there's a new guy who's like, you know, from from London, it, it's mm -hmm. just, you know, I get that. And that's fine, you know. But yeah, the reaction was just amazing, man. That tour was just an experience. Okay. And um, you actually were able to record uh, the single Shooting Star, which had the We Rock cover mm -hmm. um what was that entire process like and how involved were you in the writing of that track shooting star uh, basically the track was written before i joined the band okay uh so um 
everything was pretty much there. But I did work on the um, on the melodies, you know, the vocal melodies, and you know, uh, it, it was a bit of a team effort, you know. Um, so yeah, but, but it was great. I mean, we just we went to Arizona, um, and because the producer is uh, is based at, like White Wizards producer, his studio is in Arizona, right. Uh, which is bloody hot, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> My God, that was just... <laughs> yeah. But great for singing, though. Great for singing. Right. Um, and, um, yeah, we just did that. It was such an amazing experience, man. Like, the whole Wide Wizard experience for me was amazing. Okay. Um, ultimately, or actually, before I get to that next question, let me mm -hmm. ask you this. Um, how far along was the third album written while you were still in the band? Was a lot of it already done? Did you have any input in that? The whole thing was written. The whole thing was written, okay. Yeah. How much did you contribute to that? Did you work on melodies for that album as well? Or were you still waiting to get into the studio to sort of put your touch on things? Um, the only thing we got to do is uh, we just started working on... Um... The title track, Flying Tigers, okay, uh, uh, with John, and um, and one more track I, I can't remember the the name. Um, so yeah, we we started working, uh, you know, on the new on the new album before we left the UK to do the tour. Okay, yeah. and um, ultimately the press release that was sent around was that you mm -hmm. had issues with a visa, and visa acquiring yeah. a visa to be able to work with the band in yeah. the states is this ultimately that the band's management didn't move forward and get that together in time for you or was it something that you knew beforehand and hadn't taken care of why exactly did this issue come up well basically um, let me just remember how it all happened. Um, we did the tour, and then I was supposed to go back to uh, Los Angeles to do the, um, you know, to do the album, basically. Right. Um, but the thing is, I was advised by by the management to, um, instead of an artist visa, because it would take longer, to apply for a tourist visa. Okay. Um, so I went to the embassy, I, I applied for the, uh, for the tourist visa and I mm -hmm. didn't get it. Huh. Uh, so, um, you know, I told John, I told the manager, you know, and it was just really stressful because we just didn't know what to do. And basically right. the, the, there were ways of me, you know, being able to make it and, you know, um, be there, but it would cost a lot more. Right. And basically, uh, no one was was going to pay all the all that money because it was a lot of money. Okay, so you're talking about uh, maybe recording your parts in the UK and adding them uh, over in Arizona, or, or are you that, talking that, about that, John was adamant about that that he wanted me to be there to record. I suggested that. Uh, but okay. John was like, no, 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 you have to do it here with Ralph, um, which is understandable. I mean, you know, on the end of the day, it's, you know, it's his band, and, um, you know, he wanted 
do things a certain way, you know. He wanted me to be there with Ralph, you know, and mm-hmm. record the album, and, uh, you know, that, that's fine. Um, so basically, we're just trying to figure out what to do, you know. Um, and it just, you know, it, it became obvious that there just isn't a way of making it work, at least at this point, right. you know. Um, so basically, um, I got an email from John saying, you know, I'm really stressed. You know, it's like, I really don't know what to do because the, the label said, like, they want the album out, like, I think June 7th or something like that. Um, right. and, um, it just wasn't, wasn't enough time to do it. And basically from what I've heard, um, the previous singer, just got in touch with John and basically said that, you know, I really want to come back. Um, and John just, in in one of his emails, he was like, you know, the previous singer got in touch with me and he wants to come back. And at the time, it just makes sense because we don't have a singer, you know, you, there's no way of having you here. Right. And basically, I, I didn't think twice. I, I was like, do it, you know, just do it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um so, yeah, there weren't any arguments or, you know, weird situations and, you know, people not being happy. I mean, I have a connection with John Leon that, you know, I have with a very few people, you know. He's like, you know, if he was a chick, I'd marry him, you know. He's like, <laughs> we get along great. Um, so, um, yeah, I just said do it. You have to do what you have to do, you know, to... Right. continue, you know, your success and, you know, making the, the band bigger. Yeah, and... it's interesting because I've spoken to a lot of the uh, former members um, of the band, and I've, I get along pretty well with everyone that's gone through the, uh, as I like to say, White Wizard family tree. Uh-huh. And um, you sound disappointed, but you don't sound bitter, where... I think everyone else, to an extent, uh, due to whatever reason they have, which is up to them. I mean, yeah. I don't want to get involved with any relationships or anything like that. They know yeah. what what happened and what didn't happen. But you seem very upbeat, and you know, again, although you seem disappointed that things didn't work out, yeah. you're not bitter towards you know anyone regarding the visa or not being able to record the album or anything like that. You have a very, oh. it seems like a positive outlook. That's the only way of doing it, man. I mean, okay, and if I if I was being like bitter and started saying like you know negative things, and would it change anything? You know, it's like it wouldn't. <laughs> so um, you just need to keep looking forward. You know, you you yeah. can't change what happened. You know, and it's all part of life. Yeah. Um. So you just need to keep being positive and you know do the best you can, and you know be happy for other people that get to experience success and just try to be like them instead of trying to sort of bring them down. That's my attitude. And also, let me just say that the the main reason why um, a lot of the the previous members uh, have negative things to say about John is the fact that they simply wanted to do different things. Mind you, John and I have the exact same vision musical vision. Um, and now, from what I know, most of the 
uh, previous members wanted to play more, you know, like heavy stuff, you know. But John was like, no, we have to stick to this type of sound because this is what I want to do. And at the end of the day, it's his band. Right. And because um, I've, I've been in many bands and I see that all the time because it's like people just don't understand that it's like it's his band. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, it's his vision. And you, you're either cool with that, you know, and you go for it, or you simply have to go start a new band and right. do your own thing. But when you play with some in someone's band, you have to do what... I mean, in the more I see, you know, I'm not into thrash, thrash metal, you know, really. Mm-hmm. I'm not. You know, but it was a thrash metal band. You know, and it, it was Giz's band. I had to sing, you know, in, in a different style. That's the way it is. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and and I think you pretty much hit the nail on the head there. I know with the guys that went on to do uh, Holy Grail, mm-hmm. that's exactly what um, James Luna and what um, uh, James J. LaRue said, that they wanted to incorporate more of a thrashy type sound. They wanted mm-hmm. to down tune and that um, John was pretty dead set on doing a you know, uh, Maiden slash, uh, you know, early Def Leppard type yeah. of a deal. Yeah. Um, I know that there are other issues, uh, monetary issues and things like that. But, uh, you know, I don't know. Like I said, everyone everyone knows what deal uh, uh, they got into or whatever, and I don't want to get involved in any of that. At the end of the day, I get yeah. along good with everyone, and, you know, I don't, again, I don't want to step on anyone's toes and uh so you're currently working on a new band Mm -hmm. gauging by what you've been saying throughout this interview you're going to be going for that same classic maiden priest uh type of a sound with this new band tell us a little bit about what you're currently working on well basically yeah i mean you are correct. That's that's you know that's my thing. Like I said, you know, and now that I finally get to start my own band, that's the type of music I want to play. You know, and um, it's it's basically going to be a a proper British heavy metal band, and by by that I mean like twin guitars, like really loud bass. Um, right. Operatic vocals, lots of harmonies, lots of melody, you know, that sort of thing, you know, lots of singing, no screaming, none of that stuff, you know, high screams, you know, and just freestyle, and um, yeah, that, that's pretty much, you know, the, the what we're doing at the moment. Um, okay. So yeah, I'm actually at my guitar player's um, house at the moment, we're doing the demo uh, to send to... Um, to a label that will remain, um, you know, unnamed <laughs> for now. <laughs> okay. Um, so, but yeah, it's, it's really exciting stuff, man. You know, it's like, like I said, finally, I get to do the music I love doing in my own band. Um, right. You know, in London. Uh, you just mentioned you're at your guitar player's house. Mm-hmm. Do the well, members well, well, come... One of the two guitarists, yeah. One of the two guitarists. Do the members come from 
uh, other bands that are known? Uh, can you mention who else is in the band, or are you still keeping all of that under wraps? You know, it, it's you know the typical industry, you know, bullshit things that we have to do. That it's not like you have to keep everything a secret, you know, until there's a proper press release and blah blah blah. You know how it is, right? So unfortunately, uh, I I can't say anything, you know, about the band members <laughs> and all that. Um, but there is a band. There's a band name. There's a band mascot. <laughs> there's, uh, there's ev- everything is there. Like, it's going to be really exciting. Like, really exciting stuff, you know, for fans. Okay. Um, and, yeah, I mean, you know, twin guitars, everything. Like, the whole thing. Okay. Uh, uh, basically, the reason why I'm starting this is that I think it's it's sort of... It's weird, because you have, like, all these bands that try to sound like a British band, you know, like the classic British bands, and they're not right. from here. But but, <laughs> right. but there's no one who's doing it here. You know, it's just so bizarre. You know, I mean, right. White Wizard from America um, and Forster are from um, Scandinavia. Uh, are they? Oh, no, no, that, that's... Um, what's the other... Uh, Cauldron. Cauldron. Cauldron is Canadian. Yeah. <laughs> so there's, there's no one who's doing it in England. Uh, it's like, okay, well... I might as well just, you know, do that, you know. Right. It's actually pretty neat, you know, with us mentioning all these different bands, how many bands are coming out now that are going back towards that direction. Um, I'm not sure if it has a lot to do with, you know, bands being popular now, mentioning their influences and, you know, kids now going back and checking those bands out and making them, you know, uh, popular or making people want to play that music again mm-hmm. um, or what it is. But, I, you know, I think it's really neat that people are back to, you know, uh, bringing a certain mindset or a certain feel back into hard rock and metal and making it popular again. Oh, uh, I couldn't agree more. Uh, yeah. But you see, that the whole thing is that, through the last, I don't know, 15 years, let's say, it's just, right. metal has become like, I don't know, it's more like corporate. <laughs> it's like bands are just big, like, you know, machines that are made in some sort of factory somewhere, you know. Right. It's, it's just, it's not real. It's it's not from the heart, and right. people are just got, got bored of it, you know, because it's not real. It doesn't speak to them, you know. There's uh, when you go to somewhere like you know Greece and Italy and Germany, all these places, uh, it's like people are just so into metal. It's it's unbelievable, right. you know. It's a way of life, you know, um, and. You know that's why I like you know the like mainland mainland Europe so much because it's like it's not about the image, it's not mm-hmm. about all this bullshit. It's about music that's real, that's from the heart. Right. You know, and yeah, it might be cheesy sometimes. It might be, but but that's the whole point. It's heavy metal. <laughs> you know, right. it's supposed to be cheesy. You know, it's like I still watch the White Wizard videos, and you know, I just it makes my day. You know, because it's fun. You know, it's like, finally, someone is just doing something that's fun. And that's what I was I was trying to do. 
um, with the live shows. I just wanted to make everything fun for the people that come to the shows instead of just pretending I'm some sort of, you know, um, god, you know, rock star, you know, on stage that's untouchable and that's bullshit, you know. Right. So, yeah. What you're saying has a lot of validity to it. And I think that's, you know, as, as much as people harp on you know, I don't know, uh, grunge or whatever coming coming in and, and yeah. maybe um, cutting away some of the fad of what was, you know, the, the end of the 80s, beginning of the 90s. Yeah. I think a lot of it is, is what you're saying uh, about, you know, corporate music getting involved. I think that there was actually more damage done. You know, the fifth generation copycat of you know, Guns N' Roses or Iron Maiden or Metallica mm-hmm. rather than, you know, Nirvana actually being the ones that put an end to it. I think people just got bored. Oh, I couldn't saying. agree more because every band in the late 80s, it was just, it seemed, it was made, like I said, in the same factory, you know. It yeah. was just yeah. the exact same thing. Well, and, they hired the same four, you know, songwriters uh, yeah. to write all the ballads mm-hmm. and... You know, they probably had the same stylist because by, you know, mm-hmm. with the image that everyone had. And and we sort of touched on this online. You know, I think that there's there has been a move these last few years where maybe people have tried to put more musicianship to a certain mm-hmm. extent, maybe work up, you know, I don't know, things that have been that have been cast aside for so long, like soloing and things like that. Mm-hmm. But I think they weren't. Uh, to an extent, there are a lot of bands that just aren't fine-tuning it in, in the right direction. They're just playing notes without giving any specific reason for playing notes. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, getting complete sleeve tattoos and tattoos up behind their ears and down their neck just because the next band over is doing it, mm-hmm. not because, you know, they think it's cool or whatever. It's because, oh, you know, unless we do this, we're not going to get signed, you know, and it's more of what you're saying. It's more of a, of a fashion statement or it's something that, you know, the labels think that they can sell as opposed to, you know, thinking, okay, is our music going to be any good, you know, five years from now, are people still going to be listening to what we're doing? And and I'm not saying that's every single band mm-hmm. that's out there that looks like that, but yeah. it's the same deal. It's the third, fourth, fifth generation. Mm-hmm. You know, that just gets tiring. And and people, again, people aren't going to remember who they are in in a few years' time. So I, I couldn't agree more with you. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, and again, that that's why it's so, um, you know, it's so nice to see that there's new bands that play from the heart and are doing something that's real. Because you can tell, I mean, you can't tell me that you listen to White Wizard without realizing that that's real, you know, that's from the heart, you know. Um, and it's, it's, and that's why I'm doing this, this you know, the, the new stuff I'm, I'm writing at the moment, you know, for this new band. It's exactly the same spirit, you know, that's from the heart, without thinking what's fashionable and whatever. Yeah, forget that. Just do what's in your heart, that, that, you know. I mean, I could easily, you know, sell out, get a fringe, you know, get a couple of tattoos, you know, and just make a lot of money. And trust me, uh, um, I've been, 
I've been like you know in in the industry you know like for a long time and I know people that could help me in that and people that know me personally know what I'm talking about uh, if I wanted to go down that way but you know is it at the end of the day you know is it worth it I don't think it, it is you know you have to do what's in your heart otherwise it's just another sellout you know and okay you make a bit more money but at the end, at the end of the day you know, it's like, okay, you can also become a male prostitute, you know, you'll make even more, you know, <laughs> you, know you know what I mean? When can we expect the material to be out? Is it just a case of uh, sorting or getting things approved by this label that you're working with and then they'll put it out? Should I say, is there an exact timeline when people can expect this or is it just a work in progress at it's the moment? It's what you said first. Basically, what we're doing at the moment is... Um, Throughout this month, we're doing we're recording three tracks. Okay. Uh, then I'm gonna go and um, mix the tracks with a, a very well-known producer, uh, you know, in the UK. Okay. And um, after I get the final mixes, I'm gonna send them to that label, you know, that okay. label. And um, everything has been really positive, you know. The, there's you know a lot of interest, so it looks like you know, um, they're going to sign the band. If that okay. happens, obviously, the next thing is, you know, we're going to go in the studio and record, a, you know, an album. And obviously, get a booking agent and just play as many shows as possible. I want right. this to be a touring band, you know, I, I, like non-stop touring. Um, so, um, yeah, that's basically, the, you know, what's happening at the moment. As far as the producers are concerned, did you happen to mention the producer earlier in the interview, or you'd like to refrain from uh, <laughs> answering that? Basically, there's already the three. That I would say the well, not well. Some of them are, but anyway, there's three of the top producers in the UK that I got in touch with because I've worked with them, and okay. um, all of them said that. Um, they're interested in doing the album, okay, uh, which is amazing. Um, and um, basically, it's up to the label. You know, if we sign with this label, mm -hmm. uh, obviously they're going to have uh, the final say, right? Who we do with? But the door is open. You know, and all of them are amazing producers. Right. Um, okay. So um, I mean, everyone's so positive, man. It's just amazing. You know, it's an amazing feeling. Because, um, I mean, you know, with the more I see, it was really hard. You know, mm -hmm. it wasn't like it is now. You know, I mean, I've, I've done tours in, in a car, driving right. three hours to get to the show with two other guys at the back, two guitars, a bass, and my stuff on top of me to go and play <laughs> a show and then do the same to get back. Right. Now, that's called paying your dues. You know what I mean? Yeah. So when you've done that for, like, as long as I have done that, you appreciate what you get more, you know. Mm -hmm. And that's why you see that, you know, I don't have anything negative to say about White Wizard because they gave right. me the chance to do this. You know, I was actually in a van. You know, it was, it was an experience. <laughs> you know, right. I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that, you know. Uh, <laughs> so... Yeah, but this time it's just so 
much more positive and people are just willing to help out and it's it's a great thing man you know I'm I'm really grateful where could people go to check up on what you're doing uh, I got in touch with you via Facebook do you want people to uh hound you via Facebook or is there anywhere else that they can go to read up on my, what you're up to my Facebook and my Twitter are probably the best places my um and my space as well I mean if you just type Peter Ellis, you know, Facebook, you'll find me, you know. Uh, so that's the best place to just, because I, I make sure that I give regular updates, you know, okay. um, on my Facebook to let people know what's going on, you know. Um, so that's the best way, you know, just add me on Facebook and just keep in touch, you know. And, and I um, can uh, back up that, uh, that you are very easy to get in touch with via Facebook. A, a lot of people... Uh, you know, they have their various accounts, and I actually did a blog post uh, mm -hmm. a little while back about how, you know, a lot of people are are out there boasting about being on Twitter and Facebook and all this, and, mm -hmm. you know, and if the only thing they're doing is saying, oh, you know, I'm playing cards at such and such a casino, you know, and you aren't really interacting with your fans, and th then what's the point? It's almost... You know, I'm putting, you know, a, a thumb up to my nose and saying, ha-ha, you know, this is my lifestyle and, you know. Let me ask you this. What would we be, we musicians, without those people actually coming to see us and buying the albums? That's, that's my exact point of the article that I wrote up. I pretty much said, you know, instead of sitting there and saying, you know, oh, I'm at such and such a casino at the high rollers table. Mm -hmm. You know, there are others that I've seen. Uh, I've seen people like Nikki Six, who I think is is a big deal based on, you know, the, his stature within his mm -hmm. band and the amount of album sales and money that he's made. Mm -hmm. I've seen someone like uh, Mark Morton from Lamb of God that actually take time mm -hmm. and answer, you know, different questions. And, and even if they're bogus, you know, just to interact with with people yeah. you know if it's a stupid question they'll you know uh respond to a, a lot of the things that are sent their way as opposed to others where you know i've seen d just what i mentioned i'm at the high rollers table at yeah. such and such a place or just retweet you know good reviews of of their album it's like mm. you know what's 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 the point <laughs> you know you're you're telling us that your life is great and and i'm yeah. still working nine to five so <laughs> yeah exactly exa exa that's that's what it is and it sucks because it all comes down to what type of person you are as well i mean you right. know but the people that i grew up sort of you know looking up to uh they were all you know like really close to their fans you know, right. and th and that was very sort of that inspired me. You know, uh, I mean, I'll give you an example. You know, Ronnie James Dio, mm -hmm. he would always, always, you know, sign everything, talk to the fans. You know, just make everyone feel like the part of of the family. You know, right. and that's a great, the the best thing you can do. You know, mm -hmm. and the reason I got into music wasn't for for you know to shag birds, wasn't to, you know, <laughs> become a millionaire, you know, right. to become famous or anything like that. What I wanted to do since I was a teenager, I wanted to start a band that would do to young people what Iron Maiden and Judas Priest and all these bands did for me when I was a teenager, right. going through a very, very hard 
childhood, you know. Right. The, the music of these people gave me hope, you know. Mm -hmm. It was something that was always there. Mm -hmm. You know, the, they seemed like, you know, it felt like I was, you know, part of, of the family, like I said, you know. Right. And that's why, you know, I started playing music. I wanted to give the same feeling to young people. And to me, that's the, that's the only thing that matters, you know. I, right. I, I don't do drugs, you know. I don't do any, you know, I just don't. I didn't even have a tattoo, you know. Um, that's not the point. That's not why I'm doing this. I'm doing mm -hmm. this, you know, for the reasons I, I just said, you know. Other right. I know a lot of people who do this just, you know, to, to be big rock stars, you know. Right. Yeah, whatever, you know, if, if it makes you happy, just go through. <laughs> you know, what can I say, you know? Hi there, this is Peter Ellis, and you're listening to Mars Attacks.
There you go, a little White Wizard with Shooting Star. Will be interesting to see what the new album, Flying Tigers with White Screaming Demon Anderson, will sound like. Uh, regardless, uh, Peter was very cordial towards both he and Luna. Uh, seems as if he's still a fan of the band and uh, a fan of John Leone. Uh, it was obvious there. It was uh, funny, his... Um, the one line that uh, that he mentioned there almost sounded like a, a Steel Panther lyric there. But uh, check out uh, Community Property by Steel Panther and you know what I'm talking about. But uh, anyway, yeah, I want to thank Peter for coming on. Um, I've uh, been in contact with him via Facebook. And, and like I said during the interview, you know, he's been very good at responding to various questions that I had and different things that I've asked him about and... He came, you know, on the show with very short notice, and I'm grateful that he was able to do that, and I uh, can't wait to hear what uh, what he's working on next. Uh, I will say that I purchased The More I See right after the interview. I bought it off of iTunes, and, uh, and I realized why I hadn't checked the band out earlier. Uh, I remember reading that uh, he was part of the band and everything. And, you know, I wanted to hear what he sounded like. Uh, and this was before Shooting Star came out. Um, so, you know, I went to iTunes and I couldn't find it. You know, and it's the typical thing. Uh, there was a bunch of Metallica songs listed. And uh, if you click See More, uh, it comes up. Uh, the more I see comes up, and and they have some pretty cool tracks on there. Uh, I'm a big fan of the Prodigy and uh, Gizbutt, who is the main man behind uh, the more I see, is or was the guitarist. You know, for all of you people that know Prodigy from Fat of Land, Fat of the Land, um, and the track Firestarter, for example, it is his guitar part that made, or his guitar playing, that made that song famous. So uh, it's interesting to see him out of that and do more of a thrash thing and doing, you know, some very technical playing where obviously in The Prodigy he isn't going to be doing stuff like that, but it's still very cool to hear that other aspect. Again, if you've listened to uh, my other podcast, uh, the Victor M. Ruiz podcast, or have gone to the incoherent ramblings of Victor M. Ruiz, the blog, which is found at victormruiz.com, and that is R-U-I-Z, as in zebra, uh, you'll know that uh, that I've you know, mentioned that album plenty of times in the past uh, and actually played some stuff off of that. So it's actually cool to hear a version of the song Smack My Bitch Up on the uh, album by the more I see, uh, tread the dark path, and um, and I keep screwing up names here. Uh, let me give you the definitive name. <laughs> it's what happens when you have a cold. Yes, tread the darker path. I apologize. In any event, let us get into a little. Uh, Landy Allen, or Allen Landy, depends on uh, which order you want to put them in. 
But, uh, yeah, this next part of the show will be an interview with Russell Allen. Uh, He talks about Symphony X. Like I mentioned initially, he hints about the project with Mike Portnoy. Uh, He talks about the Landy Allen project. He talks about Star One and a bunch of other things. Uh, There are some issues with the audio, so um, just bear with the actual interview. If you're a a fan of his, uh, I think you'll get a kick out of some of the stuff that he discusses, especially something that's up there on the web regarding a previous job that he had. And uh, he was sort of suffering um, from uh, going out with some old friends uh, the night before the interview. So that is all in this interview. So let's kick things off with a track from the uh, latest Landy Allen project. And uh, the name of this track is Alias. It is actually the bonus track that comes along with the Alan Landy, the Showdown album. So let's get into a little bit of that, and then let's jump into the interview.
Why was now a right time to put another Alan Landy album together? Well, now really wasn't the time it was put together, if you want my, the honest truth. I, I sang on the stuff over a year ago. Okay. So it's really, uh, it was their decision when they wanted to release it. I mean, um, it's, it's really close to the band's uh, release, um, of Symphony X's release, but uh, I don't know if that was planned or not by them. They've had a lot of uh, changes. They got new distribution in America, which they're really excited about. So am I. Um, and they've they've had a lot of signings and a lot of things going on with some bigger some big name bands from you know that they got cooking. So uh, I don't know what their motivation was to release it so late, um, but. Uh, the timing back then, anyway, for, for my involvement was perfect because we were, you know, there was nothing really going on for me at that time. So, so, uh, but they released it an awfully long time later than I, I actually thought they would. So, okay, you know, yeah, if I have my facts straight, the album was actually re- released in Europe sometime last year and it's just being released now in the u.s yeah i don't i i think it yeah i don't know if it came out in the spring last year or if it came out i think it came out just recently maybe in the fall because i didn't get any press cut any actual discs until later but who the heck knows i i uh (laughs) i know like i said like i was telling you they just got a new distribution chain they're really um you know got they got a new thing going on in america and it looks really promising so um so i guess they were probably waiting for all that to go through and then okay. here they are. They want to put this release out on that on that distribution network. So, right. Sounds exciting. Cool. So, um, turning the clock back, how did you originally get involved in the project? Well, it was Serafino's baby. He uh, he's the president at Frontiers. He had always been a fan of, of my singing and Yorn's uh, singing and and Magnus's playing, and he thought it would be killer to to do like a. Uh, not really, I get, you know just a meeting of these two voices and in one record and and that's really how it started. He approached it, approached me with the idea, um, and I I'm uh, I was open minded to it and I just said send me some music you know let me hear what you guys are thinking. Heard the music I, it's, it was a good change for me at the time you know uh, and uh, and I felt uh, that this could be something really good because I love Yorn's voice I think we mesh well together and I, you know I was thinking I was thinking like well gosh this is pretty cool it's kind of like when Coverdale and Glenn Hughes were in Deep Purple together kind of you know two great singers in one album and kind of working off each other I thought well this could have something Uh, of course stylistically musically it's not the same but just that idea of two strong voices you know Um, and I said uh, I said yeah that sounds cool the songs were pretty solid and I I liked the sound of what they were going for and good singers kind of songwriters material Uh, so I said all right I'm, I'm in you know let's do it Cool. So, you know, you hear so many things about egos and everything else within music. So it's really neat that you took that perspective in thinking of, you know, that Coverdale Hughes type deal instead of thinking, wow, is this guy going to be a head case? Is this going to work? You know, that type of a right. deal. Yeah, it wasn't like that. And with the technology, I mean, it's it's I've never even met them, you know, I've <laughs> okay. actually it's it's crazy. I, I actually uh, I just uh like you said, ego's not even a factor because I just work off of what I'm hearing. You know, I'm working off the, I'm using the work, and I'm I'm listening to the music, and I'm listening to the his. A lot of times, Yorm would go first. This time, I went first. He went off me for a change, but normally I'd go off of him. I hear how he's singing and his feel, and 
I'm just working off the work. You know, I'm not dealing with the person really, the ego. I'm working with the talent, and it's beautiful. You know, I, so in a way, it's kind of a kind of a weird sort of blessing in disguise to have that that thing where I don't have to, you know, we don't have to really deal with each other in that capacity. We're just doing <laughs> right. each other's talent, you know, which is really cool. Did it make things easier for you this time around to start out with the tracks first, or uh, was nah, it? Nah, I made it you? harder. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's always harder to go first, you know. It's like the first guy down the mountain, you know. Oh, yeah, woo, you know. And, uh, and then, you know, it's a lot easier when the first guy goes and busts his ass and says, oh, okay, I'm going to avoid that <laughs> rock. And then, you know, <laughs> you go down and whatever. So being the first down the mountain is a little more of a challenge. But uh, it was a welcome change because I had always kind of followed Yorn. Jorn's lead in, in some of these songs that we, well, I, of course, I always sing my own songs by myself, you know, and that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Retracks I do solo, but but the uh, the collaborations was always uh, I, he was kind of leading the energy and whatever energy he was at, I would just use that energy and make sure I was in line with what he was doing. So uh, so this time was a little bit more of a challenge, but it was it was fun. So in other words, all the parts were designated beforehand. Has there ever been a case where something was designated for Jorn and you figured, you know what, I think this would be, or this should be my part? Was Is there ever a case where you claim a part that should have been his? No, not really. I, I usually get first crack at the tunes. Like, the, they'll give me the thing, what do you feel comfortable singing? And I pretty much pick the ones that I, 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 I pretty much feel or know he kind of wrote for my range or what my style is and I can hear the stuff that Yorn's going to shine on and so it's like uh, you know there's never really a conflict there I mean you can kind of hear that the songs are kind of written for us independently um, but he always gives me the choice because you never know if I might hear something better or, or not better but another song that may be better for me mm-hmm. uh, but uh, normally it's pretty much on point I mean, Magnus is a very talented uh, you know uh, writer and arranger so so it hasn't been any issue there how involved are you in the songwriting process itself? Do you have any input regarding what you're going to be singing, or is it all presented to you beforehand? It's pretty much presented to me beforehand. I mean, I can season it whatever whatever I want. If I need to change a line or two or something to improve the already existing idea, that's that's something I'll, I'll do. But uh, pretty much from the get-go, the songs are very well written and, you know, if it sounds good coming at you in the demo, why mess with it, you know? Right. right. Um, but if I hear something better, yeah, I, I go for it and put it in there and see what he says. And uh, usually it sticks. So that's about <laughs> it. I, I'm just contributing, you know, if, if I hear something on that on that end of things. But uh, he's got the, you know, I don't ask for anything for that or anything. I just, you know, in terms of like whatever, you know, uh credit or anything like that or you know what i mean i don't right right i just i'm just if i can contribute great you know make it better cool was there anything you tried on this album that was new to you from a performance standpoint i did try a few things i I tried um i did try a few things i'm a little girthier in in my vocals on some other stuff i've been doing more of that symphony x though now so i've kind of just been you know using a like a heavier voice uh, just on a track or two, but and, and a little and a little soul, I kind of throw through in on this one, you know, here and there. Uh, so, but nothing really out too outside of the box for me on this album. Just okay, a little okay. bit here. And there. 
How has your approach to singing changed over the years? Do you feel that it's changed at all? Yeah, definitely. I mean, as, a, as this material like it, um, presents itself in, in new light, I, I find myself, okay, well, I'm getting heavier, you know, uh, in my ability to bring the Dio stuff out of me. Um, right. And still, you know, God rest his soul, and, and, and in a new kind of way that... Um, is more of a um, just a natural tone for me, you know. Like if I'm gonna see something mean and heavy, it just has that thing to it. You know, it's kind of it's gravelly, it's cool, it's got a little rust on it. You know, it's just which is cool. The other the other stuff, I mean, uh, uh, you know, my clean voice has always been there. You know, and, and I and I I'll do that on on the on the on the, the ballads and things like that. So. But yeah, I mean, my delivery's changed a little bit over the years in terms of just my maturity uh, with the, how I would sing a part and understanding more of the emotion of how I'm supposed to deliver the line and things like this. Uh, that's all really starting to come come easy for me now. It, you know, later, you know, in these past few few uh, you know years or records or whatever. So every time I do something like this or anything else, I always learn something. You know, whether it's uh, just a new way to, to sing a line, or a new way to think about what I'm saying, you know, what I'm trying to say, and things like that, you know, just kind of helps to bring it all into a new, a new focus. And yeah, I mean, you know, if you listen to me at 19 as opposed to you know I am now, it's a pretty, pretty big change. So, but in a good way. <laughs> Is there anything you do now to keep your voice in shape? I drink a shitload of water, you know, a boatload, I should say. It's more appropriate. A boatload of water. Okay. Yeah. There's a little nautical reference. Uh, the uh, yeah, the, the hydration is like so key. I I, I definitely learned that from a friend of mine. Uh, he's a vocal coach, uh, and you know, you can do. Uh, you, can, you know, I still enjoy my my rum and everything like this, but. But if I'm able to maintain my hydration, I, I'm able to keep my voice in top shape. And it's really the hydration is the key thing. If your vocal cords are hydrated, you're, you're good to go. And that, may, that doesn't mean you can, you know, just go ahead and fuck off and do a bunch of shit. You know what I'm saying? You know, right. Annihilate it and drum and all this other garbage. But um, moderation is the key to happiness in anything, right? And it's the same with the voice. So. And drink a lot of water and, and uh, exercise, and I'm, I'm really happy. And the voice is happy. My voice is tired today because I was up last night with my buddies, you know, doing exactly <laughs> what I told you you shouldn't be doing. This. Right, Drinking right. Having fun. So. <laughs> <laughs> as far as shows are concerned, will you be doing any shows behind this album, or will you be just jumping into the Symphony X stuff? Well, the Symphony thing is going to start taking over my life. Six seven months, so I don't see anything in the near future for this project. Five, anyway. um, and honestly, I got uh, I got some other things cooking, um, uh, some projects I'm finishing up now before I take off. Uh, so I don't know what what's going to happen with any of that stuff. So at the moment, unfortunately, I would say no. Uh, maybe a one-off or a prog power or something like that. We could talk you fast about that money that one. Ten, ten. And uh, uh, who knows? Maybe a show, something like that would be great. You know, a full tour thing, I guess. You know, I don't know. It depends. All three of us are very busy. 
if the demand is there and people want to see it, and you know, we can, we can afford to do it. I, I as far as Symphony X is concerned, what are the immediate plans for the band? We uh, have a, we have a, we're not quite sure of our release date yet because of some, uh, we're still working on production. Uh, we're in post-production now with the record, so uh, we are scheduled though to do a festival tour uh, in, in a month from now with Nevermore uh, in Europe. That will kick off, I believe, February 25th and 24th, uh, running through March to about March 23rd or something like that. It's, about, it's a solid month run over there with those guys. Uh, and then we come back and we have a, 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 an American tour book with Nevermore again in soil work. Uh, in April, May, and so those, that's what's going on. So we have two pretty big tours coming up, Europe and America, with a small break in between, just to you know, be able to come home, spend some time with the kids, and off again. Uh, so, so that's what's going on. And we also are talking, we haven't uh, solidified anything else, we are, we are talking about going to, uh, of course, Asia, South America and Australia was the first time I've been there. So there's a lot of big things in the plans of the year. I read online that before you were a member of Symphony X, that you were actually a jouster at medieval times. Is this true? Yes, I was. I was a knight for for quite a while, actually. Um, 14 years I've worked there since I was a kid, you know. Learn how to ride horses and stuff. It was my job when I was going to school, when I was in high school. So, you know, I'd do the, I'd go after school and work the shows at night. And, you know, I've always been an entertainer, whether I was singing or, you know, whatever. But I had a pretty good uh, background in athletics. So I was, you know, football player, basketball, baseball. So I had athleticism. And I went and auditioned, and they liked my acting and, and my athleticism and stuff. So, so I, I uh, eventually rose to um, a position of a show manager, uh, and I, I came out to, to New Jersey and opened the location here with a bunch of other knights from around the country that were in California and Florida. They all went out back home, and I trained the rest of the, the next generation guys here uh, and, um, you know, ended up staying here and everything. But, yeah, it was, it was a good time. I, did a lot of great things there. I still, the guy, like I was saying, my voice is all messed up because last night my old nighty buddies were all over <laughs> at my house and we were reminiscing, drinking, and having some laughs, you know, about the old days. So, so yeah, good bunch of guys. I really, really have a lot of fond memories of that place. So you opened the Lindhurst, New Jersey location then? Yeah, and I also opened the Myrtle Beach location too. Um, so, uh, yeah. But I did, Jersey's where I'm based out of, and that's uh, that's where I stayed. And, and the castle here was um, was a very interesting uh, whole, you know, chunk of chunk of years for me because I was I was doing that while Symphony X was getting off the ground. So I, I I have I remember very vividly, you know, literally going down the studio after the show at 11 at night, working till three in the morning, four in the morning, driving back up hour to medieval time, sleeping on the couch in the dressing room for an hour, getting up and then doing stunt work for like double and triple shows. Used to do like two AM shows like for kids, you know, they bust them in, we do like a 10, 10 o'clock show and a one o'clock show. And then we do right, the right. at night, you know, when the schedule's really crazy. 
I could not do that today if you paid me a million dollars. I, you know, back then I was like 19, 20, 21 years old, and I was just like, okay, what do I got to do, you know? But uh, yeah, back then, though, I was obviously, you know, we were in top shape, and I was doing all sorts of crazy stunt work and everything, so... It was a lot of fun, though. I, 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 do, uh, I do miss the camaraderie of, the, of that show. But, you know, being in a band, it's the same thing, really, you know? Mm-hmm. When, you're, when you're rolling down the highway on a bus, it's kind of like being with all your buddies in the locker room. So, to me, I still have that same sort of camaraderie and, and, and sense with the band, which is great. Yeah, I'm actually originally from New Jersey, so I may have actually seen you joust at one point or another. You might have. I... I had a really bad mustache back then, so you know, I was trying to look older, the only one that's look older, so, you know, but, uh, yeah, I had a, you know, I used to do the winning guy, I was the champion, and I was the de- the bad guy, I did all the roles, so that's how we used to do it, we would trade up, you know, who did what fight, basically, uh, depending on what you knew, so when you knew the choreography and you could handle the horsework, the horsemanship, you, you could do those, those jobs, then you did them for like a week, and when we rotate, each guy. So yeah, you probably did see me at one one time or another. Cool. Getting back to Symphony X, uh, how difficult was it for you guys? Uh, you were working in medieval times. Uh, you guys were popular in Europe and Japan, but yet back home, no one knew who you were. Anyway, it was difficult in the beginning because, um, like I was telling you, I had to run back and forth. And all this stuff, but I wasn't really thinking about, you know, that kind of thing. There was an ongoing joke with me and my friends that one of them actually had a shirt printed up that says, I'm famous in Europe, you know, <laughs> and it had like David Hasselhoff on it, you know, and they gave it to me as a gift, you know, like as a joke, you know, and I, I still have it. It's like all worn out, you know, but I still wear it to remind myself, yeah, you know, because I would I would go over there and be a rock star and all this, all this garbage and come home and, you know. Another, just another bum on the street trying to, <laughs> at the shop, right? You know, getting with my cheese. You know, and, right. And no one. I mean, not much has changed, to be honest with you. I mean, I, I live in a nice area where you know, there's not a lot of kids know who I am. A few do. I get recognized here and there around here, but but not like over in Europe. You know. So I mean, we would walk through, down the streets of Paris, and soon we have a mom and kids around us. You know. So. Mm-hmm. So. Um, so yeah, that was really wild to, to have that high and then come back to the low. And that we used to have like a what we call post tour depression. You know? <laughs> TD, you know, we all get TTD because you go over there and you come back and I have to go back to my job. And yeah, it was rough in the beginning, but very humbling and uh, you know. So I, I'm 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 very grateful for the success that I've I've been able to have with uh, with everything that I've done because I know, you know, it's always fleeting. You, know? you can never really. Uh, you can't let it all go to your head. I mean, you're having that kind of situation. One night you're on top of the road, the next night you're, you know, you're, you're digging a ditch for somebody to make a buck. Right. You know, that's right. reality. That's that's what it is. And so yeah. there are no overnight successes. Everybody just thinks that you're an overnight success. You know? A lot of people don't know, obviously, the years and years and years most people put in. Unless you're on American Idol, of course, then you're like a one-year success. Um, as far as your fans and uh, progressive metal fans in general, they seem to be more attuned to uh, absorbing an entire album 
or a whole body of work as opposed to just looking for singles or things of that nature. Uh, do you think this helps sort of preserve the fan base that bands like Symphony X have as opposed to, say, some of the pop artists that we were sort of talking about? Well, I think, like you said, I mean, they're, they're, the, the fans of the, of the band are looking for a specific type of, of music that you know, popular music cannot provide for them. I, I would. I, they definitely get more into the album of things. If we have, uh, there is no length of songs that we need for our fans to be happy. Uh, the longer, the better for them. Uh, but uh, of course, you know, for the record companies, they need to market something, and even we have to have something we can make a video out of. This make a twenty-minute video out of a twenty-minute or whatever video you know, a twenty-minute song for us. We just financially can't do it. You know, like it's just impossible. I wish we could. You know, but, but even we have to have to, I hate to say play the game a little bit, but even we have to, uh, you know, think of that when we're, when we're making our tunes, but, but um, not really, though. Honestly, we just, you know, we make what we make and we're happy with it. The song sounds great at five minutes or at 50 minutes. As long as the song sounds good, you know, we don't care. And I think our fans love and respect that about us. Um, and, yeah, the pop thing, you know, with, with that whole deal, that's a whole different animal, um, some of the same songwriting elements are, are used to, you know, do what we try and do. We always try and like good, strong choruses, you know, have good singing parts, all those kind of things like that. Music always has, you know, but there's not a lot of substance behind that, whereas what, what obviously somebody else does in progressive and in general is expand on the idea of the song, whether it be some fantastic thing. Uh, we always had a lot of, a lot of their Greek mythology or really high literature sort of themes and you know themes themselves just open up the floodgates from for a musical interpretation and bringing out all these great things and so just as since we're a symphonic progressive metal band we can bring that symphony and you know, take the listener on a ride you know that's what we like to do so totally different animal man i mean uh, you really can't compare compare the two so, you know our fans are not looking for, you know, for me to do a britney spears to any time <laughs> Gotcha. All right. Um, you mentioned briefly before that you have a lot of other things that you have in the works, possibly things that you've guessed it on. Uh, is there anything that you can discuss, or is that all under wraps for now? Uh, it's kind of all under wraps for now. Something I got something really big brewing, uh, but I, but I can't really discuss it because I don't know if it's going to happen or not. And, uh, yeah. But I'm really excited to work with. Uh, let's just say I'm really excited to work with the artists that I'm, I'm talking to at the moment. Uh, so uh, for right now, you know, the, I'm looking forward to Symphony X's uh, touring and, and getting ready for that. And the end of the year, uh, maybe the end of the year, I'm really hoping that uh, this other thing kind of comes to fruition because I've always I've, I've always wanted to work with these guys, so I'm hoping it happens. So we'll see what happens. Okay. Cool. Last question. Uh, there are a lot of fans over here of the Star One project. What can you tell us about working on the specific project? Well, it's great. Uh, Arian is, is freaking, he's a friend of mine, so, you know, we've had a good relationship over the years. Uh, always off and on in terms of, like, I'd see him when I talked to him, like, maybe a year ago, or we go by, I haven't said hello to him, but as soon as I talked to him on the phone, like we just talked yesterday. You know, he's like one of those appointments, friends, guys, you know, 
So I've always got a good rapport with him. We, I went over to his house and we recorded in the studio. We just had a laugh, you know, a bunch of laughs. So a really good time. Artie loves the old stuff, you know. He loves, you know, all, all the Zeppelin, you know, uh, vintage stuff and, and that good blues rock scene, you know. Like, uh, so I always have a really good time in this place because that just comes so natural for me. You know? I don't really get to do too much of that in Symphony X. So it's a fun thing for me to do. Uh, you know, it, I get to kind of go to my, you know, my heroes and my, you know, Plant and Cornell and you know, kind of, you know, just do what I comes naturally for me. But don't get me wrong, melodic singing comes naturally for me too. Uh, but uh, with him, it's like uh, he wants that. He wants more swagger. He wants me to be more, you know, soulful and stuff. And, and it's just a lot of fun to work with. Him. That's why I do it because it's different from what the band's doing, uh, and that's in that way. And and I love singing his stuff. I and mean, it's fun. It's you know we don't take ourselves too seriously, you know, and we keep it light. And it's a it's a fun project. It's a lot of fun. So I'm hoping he, I'm trying to get him to tour that. That'd be great. You know, I had such a good time with the first one. But he's stuck. I don't know. Cool. Yeah, that, the last album was actually voted by uh, a bunch of listeners of a show that I was on as one of the best albums that came out last year. So I had to make sure that I brought that up. Um, yeah. Shout out to the fans and thank them for because it's a great record. Will do. Hey, this is Russell Long from Symphony X, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Russell Allen from Symphony X. I want to thank 
Russell Allen and Dustin from Frontier Records for making that interview happen. I also want to thank Peter Ellis, who we had all the way at the beginning of the podcast. I look forward to hearing his new music as well. want to remind you guys that if you missed this episode or want to re-download it or, again, found it via uh, Blabbermouth or something like that, um, just go to MarsAttacksRadio.com and you can listen to or download the actual episodes from there. I actually noticed something strange with um, with the site. Um, I've gotten in touch with one of the companies that uh, set one of the plugins up. Uh, for some reason, uh, you aren't able to listen to the episodes this very second, but I'm sure that'll be fixed, hopefully, within the next day or so. If you listen to this after uh, the episode debuts, you'll see the play button there. Regardless, subscribe to the podcast via iTunes and leave your comments there on iTunes uh, or send me an email. Send me an email at victor at MarsAttacksRadio.com. We also have the Twitter feed, we have the Facebook group, and we have the MySpace page. Feel free to sign up for any of those. Uh, The information to reach any of those is right there on MarsAttacksRadio.com. There's also two other podcasts that I'm involved with, Fusion Sonica, which is the Spanish-language podcast, Hard Rock and Metal as well. Lately, we've been doing some promotion for some festivals going on over here uh, in Spain. Some cool Spanish groups uh, are involved. Uh, there's a band called the uh, excuse me, the Eyes from Barcelona, which will be recording shortly in Baltimore. Uh, had the privilege of speaking to their lead singer Jordi the other day regarding the festival, and they have a really cool album out. It's up there on iTunes. Just look up the Eyes. And um, the album is called Insignis. Only costs six ninety, so you can't go wrong. Um, death metal type vocals, some real cool um, mix of some like Iron Maiden, like riffing with some, uh, I would say, more modern sounding, detuned, thrashier stuff. It's a real cool mix. And uh, band, they're a bunch of great guys. So check that out. I'll more than likely have music from them in my third podcast, uh, which is the Victor M. Ruiz, R-U-I-Z as in Zebra uh, podcast. You can find that on iTunes as well or VictorMRuiz.com. We talk about music. We talk about wrestling. We talk about sports, movies, shows, uh, things of that nature. So if you're interested... Feel free to sign up once again via iTunes. Leave us your messages there. Or again, you can send me an email at victor, V-I-C-T-O-R, at marsattacksradio.com. And uh, that's pretty much it for this episode. What we're going to do is leave you with some live music from Symphony X. This comes off of the Gigantor uh, compilation, the first Gigantor compilation, uh, the first year that Mustaine put the project together, um, had two pretty cool tracks from uh, from the band on there, and uh, we're gonna go with the second track, which is 
of Sins and Shadows by Symphony X. This is live. And uh, that's pretty much it. Thanks for listening, and see you next time right here on Mars Attacks. This was Take it, everybody!